the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. <laughs> oh, Pastor Sean, it's Reaching for Real Life. Well, that's right, and hey, we are reaching. <laughs> uh, real life has been a big theme, uh, obviously, of your ministry. We're yes. in the Real Life Amphitheater. Yes. Where did the Reaching for Real Life come from? How did you develop this idea of Reaching for Real Life? You know, honestly, it was for a blog. It was for yeah? my blog, and I was just like, man, what do I want to say? And uh, I just thought, man, I'm always reaching for the life he has. I want to, uh-huh. you know, like Paul, I press on. Forgetting what's behind, I Good. press on, and I'm reaching for real life in him. Well, we are reaching for new listeners all the time, Pastor Sean. We've got <laughs> a, uh, a great, I think we're up to 100, and I don't know, 2,000 shows now or something. Uh, we need to improve our female demographic. Is that, is that what it is? You and I aren't really appealing to the gals? Is that, I don't know. What is wrong with you? Well, after church, what, what, what is the ratio of people that come up to you and say, hey, I checked out the podcast? What's the women? Uh, uh, both. Oh, both. yeah? I, I get both, yeah. River City is a pretty uh, man-friendly church. We we are kind of, I wouldn't say man-heavy, but of course, we got a lot of great women, great women leaders. Of course. So I, I, get, I get both. Okay. Um, maybe more guys. You know, so well, we, we need to show our softer side. <laughs> That's because the husbands are saying, don't go talk to him. Don't go <laughs> talk to him. I don't want any of that around the house. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but Pastor Sean, we've got a very special show. Today. Yes, yes, we do. We're, we've got an interview with Mary DeMuth. Uh, Mary is a prolific author, yeah. has written over 40 books. And just a, she's a wife and a mom and a Christian leader in her own right. But the book we're going to talk about is called The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible. And what she did is she told their stories now in very strict biblical fidelity. The, the dialogue is from the scripture. The details are all consistent with what's written in the scripture. But she added, she used kind of her fiction gift to give a backdrop of what this might have felt like. You know, like a good Bible teacher who yeah. says, what must that have been like? And so she paints pictures just with the words and it really does bring it to life. It, you know, the whole, the title is what kind of grabbed us, the most misunderstood women of the Bible. And it really is good. She deals with all kinds of stories. So anyway, I don't need to get into that. Why don't we just let her tell about it? This is Mary DeMuth and we're going to talk about the most misunderstood women of the Bible. We're here with Mary DeMuth. Mary, thank you for being with us. Hey, so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Now, one of the things, you know, Barron's out looking for interesting people and interesting topics that, you know, we want to talk about, want to bring to our, our listeners. And your book, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible, uh, jumped out at us. Um, that's a pretty interesting title. What made you say, hey, I want to write that book? Well, it was kind of an interesting process. So I started with heartache a couple of years ago. I had a, a deep misunderstanding with a close friend and it didn't feel very good. Mm. And I realized that this is one of the most painful things people walk through in their lives. And then I was reading the Bible a lot, um, just from cover to cover, cover to cover. And I was realizing a lot of these women that I'd heard sermons about, there was it was different than what I'd heard. So I'd read the plain scripture and then I remember a sermon and think, these 
women have been a little bit misunderstood. And so mm-hmm. I combined both of those ideas together and um, then put on my fiction hat and <laughs> wrote their stories and then put on my nonfiction hat and um, talked about their stories to the reader to help them through their own valley of misunderstanding. What you just said, and I love the way you did it. Um, when you say I put on my fiction hat, but then I kind of told some, the story. And I think maybe the word is you you kind of built out a story, but you mm-hmm. clearly separate. So describe that. Describe that process. Right. So one of the things I have learned a lot um, in scripture is asking the question, what is it like to be in someone else's shoes or sandals or whatever they wore back then? And um, so in fiction, I have the ability to create a story world. Now I've done, um, whenever they talk, I use the exact dialogue of the scripture Mm. um, and I make sure it's, it follows the narrative exactly. Um, But there's also some texture added in to help people realize these aren't characters in a book. These are actually living, breathing human beings. Right. Now describe kind of the research process, because one of the things that I think we worry about is we can get so into the fiction that it's like, okay, then when you go read the the biblical narrative, it's like, okay, it was nothing like that. That's not the experience I had with your book. Mm. It's, it's different. You know, I really like that. So what, what was your research process process like? Well, first of all, thank you, because that was my goal. So I'm really glad I can uh, lay down and die now. <laughs> I <call> that goal. <laughs> I'm glad I've facilitated that for you, I think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So um, the research is mostly reading the scripture over and over and over again. So just... Right just um, putting it in my head. And then I would, of course, go to a wide variety of commentaries on all different theological sides of the aisle. Um, I tend to be very conservative. So of course, I'm going to have a conservative hermeneutic and mindset, but um, I still like to read outside of it just to see what other people say. And then I incorporate what I learn into that narrative. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's effective. Um, the, one of the things about your title that I think catches people is this idea of misunderstanding because I think a lot of people just feel misunderstood. Uh, some people profess to be misunderstood when it's like, no, no, we completely understand you, but you don't, <laughs> you don't like what we understand. But that, that's almost a little bit of a buzzword. I, th- I think it's a great word for the title, uh, this idea of misunderstood. How do you think this book speaks to that or helps with that? Well, um, you know, as I mentioned, I've kind of walked through that a few years ago and I continually walk through it. And of course, when I release a book about being misunderstood, I'm going to be misunderstood as well. Um, But uh, I think it helps us to realize this is normative in the human condition and Mm. that every human being has been misunderstood. And also just the fact that Jesus was probably the most misunderstood person in the Bible and to view it through that lens and to know that he has empathy for us because he knows what it's like to have people assign ill motives to his good work. You know, when they, when the Pharisees said you did your work via Satan, I mean, that's just the worst kind of blasphemy there can be. So, and then of course, I'm going on a little long here, but of course in the world that we live in because of social media, we are constantly being canceled and misunderstood. And so there's just this higher need for these characters to teach us what it means to thrive in the midst of being misunderstood. Yeah. And if you stop and think about it, any communication that happens, all right, there's what I intend and then there's what I actually say or how I actually come off. And then there's what you actually hear and then how that impacts you. So that's like three, four different filters (laughs) that any communication goes through. So misunderstanding is a part of the human experience. That's why I think this is so uh, this is so timely, and I think it connects with people so well. 
Now, okay, you went through the book. You're doing these different stories. Anybody, did you have any big changes of opinion or do you, were you surprised by anybody or anything? Yeah, one of the people that I uh, talked about was the second Tamar, and she's the one who's raped by her uh, half-brother. And she asked this question, how do I get rid of my disgrace? And for so long, I read her as I couldn't find the redemption in that story. And I understand that. I'm really grateful that these kinds of stories are in the Bible, because sometimes we're in the middle of a story and we don't see our way out. But her name actually means date palm, which is a <laughs> palm tree that has dates on it. Right. And if you know anything about them, um, when I was in the Middle East, I got to see them, but they start on the ground and they stay there for a long period of time. And then eventually they shoot up with their trunk and they mm -hmm. start producing. And I just see it as a beautiful metaphor for her life, because at the end of her life, or at least we hear this little saying that Absalom, who she goes to live with, which is her brother, mm -hmm. um, he names his daughter Tamar as well. And so you just kind of think she had some sort of beautiful influence over his family. Yeah. And there is a little thread of redemption there, which I'm really grateful for. And I think that's beautiful. You covered a whole lot of ground. I mean, Eve, Leah, Bathsheba, Mary Magdalene, Naomi, Tamar, Pro the Proverbs 31 women, who is like a description, and you covered her, so that that's an interesting <laughs> one. And there's a whole bunch of stories in here. Are there any of those that you say, this is the winner, this is the most miscommunicated <laughs> woman in the Bible? I would have to say Eve. I was going to go with it. I win, <laughs> Baron. 20 bucks right here. <laughs> <laughs> give, her, give her the money. Um, because we place a hundred percent of the blame of the fall on her when in actuality it a hundred percent of the blame lies on both of them on right. Adam and Eve. And he's actually standing there when the serpent is tempting her. He doesn't say, Hey, wait a minute. That's not the right thing to say. He's just standing there being quiet. And the other thing I think is interesting about her is that we don't give her credit for her really good confession, right. her confession. She said, the servant, the serpent deceived me. And I ate, she actually told the truth. Whereas Adam was like, hey, that lady you gave me, <laughs> right. not really happy with her. And it's all your fault for giving her to me. So he passed the blame. She actually said, I did a wrong thing. And so I think she gets kind of a bad rap. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really interesting point. And, you know, I literally went back because I, I've heard that perspective. I've even seen that, that no, no, he was right there. But when you look in the original text, <laughs> it's like he was standing right there. And, but the way you write it out and you give the narrative and she's talking and he's still not saying anything. It's like, he was a rube. <laughs> he was just sitting there. Adam, you, you this come off a little bit like a loser in this story. <laughs> yes. And again, they're both culpable. I'm not saying that she's not at all, right. but I think she's gotten kind of a bad you know, reputation when in actuality, he really should have said something. If he was there to lead his family and she was his family, he did not do so in that moment. Yeah. And again, we assume he was right there, but you know, you take the actual text and just mm -hmm. flesh that out and like, okay, what would that actually look like? And I thought it was really effective in that. Um, so why is this, do you think, I mean, what do you hope to see from this book? Why is this, why is this helpful for today? You know, because clearly there's more to this. You go on. You don't just write the stories. You go on and kind of give some applications, some questions. So why do you, what do you hope to achieve? Great question. I think for me personally, and I think this also translates to the reader, is I've had to learn over the years that my job is not to manage my reputation. I'm not supposed mm. to be my own PR person. And that's a really, um, that's a disciplined place to be and difficult because we want to 
I used to want everyone in the whole human race to like me. Mm. And if there was like one random person out there that didn't like me, which I'm sure there were many more than that, um, I would be like, I must win them. <laughs> and I could not. <laughs> I'll be step happy on a until- hundred friends to save that person. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's exhausting. And when you're worried about that misunderstanding, it takes you away from the kingdom practices that God wants for yeah. you. So if I'm consumed with what other people think of me or being misunderstood, I'm not thinking about how I can be a part of expanding the kingdom of God. Yeah. And I think that's so true. I I think that idea of worrying about what people think about us, man, and it's, and it all connected to this idea of misunderstanding and you're right. You're right. And some of these women, God used them powerfully and in spite of ups and downs, mistakes, uh, they saw God's power work through them in spite of the fact that they were really misunderstood. Um, For you, did you find yourself putting yourself in their place? I mean, did you, you know, through, the, through just empathy and through your own kind of humanity, did you find yourself putting yourself in the place and did that inform your writing? It absolutely changed the way I wrote every story. Um, I think about like when I was thinking about Bathsheba and when those men from the castle or from the palace came and knocked on her door, I, th- I thought, what would she be thinking if that happened? The first thing she would be thinking is my, my husband's dead. You know, when they first came to get her to be taken to David, that's if you had officials from Mm -hmm. the kingdom, that's what you would think. And so her following them up to the palace, I'm sure that was like, you know, moving through her head. I can't be sure for sure, but that's what I would have thought. Like, oh no, this terrible thing's going to happen. And unbeknownst to her, he would eventually be dead and a terrible thing did happen to her. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great perspective. And I think that's an important part of teaching. You know, I do that when I teach the scripture. I I love to storytell. And I'll ask questions. Was she thinking this? Was she? And I just think that's such a helpful bit of information. Hey, we're talking to Mary DeMuth. Uh, The book is called The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible. You can get it on Amazon. Just go order it. Really an interesting kind of combination of good research, biblical fidelity, but healthy use of fiction to help fill in some of the story for us. Were there any of the women that you found yourself, okay, maybe a little more emotional in or maybe a little more pulling for because you identified with them? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us identify with Naomi these days. I mean, she lost her husband and two children and she renamed herself Mara. And after the pandemic, I think so many of us have walked this valley of grief. And so she's, um, she shows us that it's okay to grieve. And we also see this beautiful redemption that is really unexpected that happens to her. We, we read the book of Ruth through Ruth's eyes, but we very seldom read the book of Ruth through Naomi's eyes. And she's really, I love the ending of the book where there she is with a grandchild. It's like she lost everything, but now everything has been brought back to her. So you're right. It really is her story, her full circle kind of thing. It is. It's about her and and loss and gain and the lineage of David and the lineage of Christ. I mean, there's so many Right. important things that happen. And in that lineage, of course, again, we see a Gentile grafted in, you know, with her daughter-in-law. It's just yep. really cool. Yep. Ruth just got the great quote, wherever you go, I'm going, you know, so yes. I mean, you got to, you got to give that to her, right? So you got quoted in every <laughs> wedding ceremony. Oh, of course, ever- <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Now, okay. Were there any of these stories that as, as you, uh, read through, you just have to acknowledge, um, it was difficult to tell the story. It was um, maybe uncomfortable or were you tempted to uh, kind of leave parts out? You know, I think the story of Bathsheba is a difficult one because we just, 
want to believe that King David was 100% good and no human being is 100% good. It's very hard for us to, we want to believe that. So we don't want to think that what he did was bad, but Nathan, the prophet was very clear and said, you are the man. And he put um, no blame on Bathsheba, who he typified as a sheep. And I've actually been painting these women. Um, and so this today was my painting of Bathsheba. And I have her holding a lamb to symbolize her, her, um, her innocence in this particular story. And so it's just a hard, it's a hard story because no one wants to really believe no. that the man after God's own heart would have such a great fall. Well, it does paint. I think it paints David pretty clearly. That's certainly a, a dark chapter of his story. Um, yes. And we wonder kind of where Bathsheba was in that. So I think that's it's important to have that conversation. Uh, you end the, each chapter with, hey, here's some things you need to know, some truths, as well as some questions for discussion. So it's like you envision this being something that, that people would discuss. I do. And what's fun about that is I've done some deeper Bible studies. I've written a Lifeway study and all of that. And those are important. But sometimes I think this would be a great summer study because you just read the chapter and then get together with your friends and it's 10 weeks. And I think it would be really um, just a light but thought-provoking study. Yeah. And say some pastor wanted to be appear very sensitive to women and women's issues. He could preach your book just for the summer. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> he could. He should invite me, though, to come and oh, okay. maybe do one of them. Maybe those. one. Okay, <laughs> fine, fine. But then I'm exposed, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Mary, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us. It's a, a fantastic book. Uh, again, you can get it on Amazon. Um, anything you want to say to, you know, we're radio and, and podcast, and anything you want to say to people about the book or just, you know, about maybe what God's putting in your heart. Yeah. So I do have a resource, free resource for your listeners and they can go to marydemuth.com slash misunderstood. And it's a whole bunch of sayings about who you are, even when you're misunderstood based on scripture yeah. and then mm -hmm. statements that you can say when you're walking through the valley. Okay. Tell us one more time, the address where we can get that resource, Mary. It's marydemuth.com slash misunderstood. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us. I sure appreciate it. It's been a joy. Thank you for asking such great questions. Oh, work hard, work hard. We try to get connected and you make it very easy. Thank you so much. And we look forward to hearing how the book does and hope to have you on again sometime. Sounds great. Uh, I'll follow up what she just said, Pastor Sean, and, uh, and, and great job, great conversation. Oh, thanks. It was uh, She's very easy to talk to. And it's really an interesting subject. And the way the book is written is kind of cool. You know, there's there's like the chosen where they they write about Jesus and they try to stay with some of the original. And I feel like one of the things is is in season two they kind of took a little more liberty, which I didn't necessarily appreciate as much. I appreciate when they stick closer. Her stuff is a little more like season one. It really is the the dialogue she uses is right from the scripture, and she just gives you some pictures of what this might have looked like. So it really is it really is enjoyable stuff to read. This wasn't her first rodeo either. She's written forty books, yeah. obviously with Lifeway. She got uh, K Warren Warren, K. To, Warren to do it. Yes, yes, that was a get. Yeah, she no. was great. Yeah, you need yeah. to have her here. I do need to have her here. Get, get working. <laughs> getting someone on a Zoom call, getting them here is a different matter. Yeah, I get you a little bit. No, but you're exactly right. And, I mean, I think she might be a great, you know, our women are always looking for speakers for women's retreat, something like this. This would be unbelievable. Um, anyway, it was a great conversation. Uh, thanks for setting that up, man. Uh, Baron, our producer, way to go. I like how you also added and agreed with Eve, too, uh, on, on the misunderstanding of Eve there. Oh, yeah. That was great. 
No, because it it really was. Eve is put in a situation where the one unexplainable thing is that it just the scripture. All it says is she t- gave some to Adam, who was there with her, uh-huh. and it's like, dude. <laughs> Why weren't you saying anything? Yeah, right. You know, so it's a good book. Check it out. Uh, Mary DeMuth, just a, a neat, neat author and a great interview. And you also are, uh, as we say in the record business, label mates. Uh, her book is in, on Salem Books and your book as well. Well, right? that's that's right, Baron. That's right. We are label mates. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the name of your book, Pastor Sean? Well, it's A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Baron. And that's you can right. get that on Amazon, you know, uh, Amazon.com. <laughs> All right, Pastor John, will invite us to come to church on Sunday. Hey, services, uh, 9.30, 11.30. We're in this series called The Unexpected Jesus. We've been getting great feedback from that. So I hope you'll come out. Love to have you as a part. You can find more out at reallife.org. Hey, thanks for listening, and I just pray you have an awesome week. God bless. Reaching for Real Life now presents a special devotional based on Pastor Sean Azaro's latest book, A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscover the Gift of the Spirit. Insight 1. Something real. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus in John 3, 5. Nicodemus wasn't sure what to do. As a leader in a very predictable and regimented religious sect, he was accustomed to having and giving the answers. Truth be told, he was good at it. However, Nicodemus had a secret. On the inside, he wasn't nearly as certain and confident as he appeared on the outside. No matter how he tried, he couldn't deny an inner emptiness that longed to be filled. In spite of checking the boxes and keeping the rules, Nicodemus was hungry for something more, something real, something life-changing. Have you ever felt that way? Ever longed to be filled? Ever caught yourself going through the motions but sensed there had to be more to life than just checking boxes and keeping rules? wondered if there's even more to your faith life. Nicodemus had heard Jesus speak and was taken by his message. The prophet was not like anyone he'd ever met. Jesus spoke of God with a casual intimacy and undeniable authority, like he knew him personally. So Nicodemus sought Jesus out to learn more. But the Gospel of John tells us he came to Jesus at night, in secret. You must be reborn. After introductions, the first words Jesus said to Nicodemus were, You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Of course, we've heard that phrase so many times, it doesn't seem odd to us at all. But put yourself in Nicodemus' place. Nicodemus hadn't even asked a question, but is immediately told he simply needs to be born again. What an odd and unsettling statement that must have been. The Jewish leader and teacher seemed understandably confused, so his reasonable follow-up question was something to the effect of, seriously, go back in my mother and be born again? Here is Jesus' response from John's Gospel. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. John 3, 5-8 Jesus is introducing Nicodemus to a new birth into a world that is unseen, invisible, and otherworldly. A world that is spiritual, supernatural, yet absolutely real. Invisible to the senses, yet real. 
This truth is one of the biggest obstacles many people face when it comes to understanding the living, invisible God and walking in His Spirit. We've been raised to think that only things that are natural or visible are real. Reality is defined by our senses, what we can hear, taste, touch, see, or smell. Yet Jesus is inviting us into a new birth of the Spirit, which is not natural, but is more real and lasting than anything around us. Think about it. Ours is a spiritual faith, which regularly deals with elements that are invisible to our senses, but nonetheless are very real. Things like God, heaven, spirit, faith, hope, love, joy, mercy, and grace. It's as though we can accept the concept, but unfortunately when it comes to stepping out in faith and walking in the Spirit, we struggle, just like Nicodemus. We become stuck in the natural, the familiar, and the visible. The Wind In this passage from John 3, Jesus' solution is to simply point Nicodemus, and us, to an unseen reality that we accept and interact with every day. The Wind The word translated wind is the same word translated spirit. Numa. It's also the word for breath. The wind, the breath, the pneuma of the Spirit. This isn't just a Greek play on words, but is a beautiful illustration. You can't see the wind, but you can certainly see what it does. You can feel the wind's effects, cooling, soothing, at times a bit unsettling, even scary. Each time you take a breath, you depend on the unseen to fill and sustain you. The wind isn't visible, but it's real, and it's all around us. The life of the Spirit is just like that. He's real, present, and working all around us. If we'll let the Lord begin to give us eyes of faith, we'll start to see Him in new and amazing ways. A journey of the Spirit. As we follow Jesus on this journey with the Holy Spirit, the questions will be, will we let Him give us new eyes of faith? Can we open ourselves to the reality of the spiritual, the invisible, even the sometimes unexplainable? Or will we insist on staying within the safe boundaries of the natural, the predictable, and let's be honest, the controllable? Jesus wants you to know that there's more to reality than what you can experience with your natural senses. Jesus invites you to come and see reality as he does. I pray you will grow in your ability to hear his voice, and you'll experience his infilling in ways you may have never imagined. In the process, may your faith become more real than ever before. Lord, thank you for that simple illustration of the wind. Help me to become as comfortable with the moving of your spirit as I am with the wind. Please help me not to lean on my own understanding, but to trust you as you call me deeper into the life of the spirit. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com